Welcome to Brother from Another, the BFA podcast. It's your boy, Manny. And your boy, VP. And we are BFA, where we give you real talk on real issues. Let's kick it. My guy, my guy, Manuel Noriega. Is this thing on? Yes, sir. <laughs> Manuel Noriega, que pasó? Como esta, mi amigo? Hey. I got that in the back of my jersey. I'm telling you, we're going to be selling them $5.99. Get your Manuel Noriega t-shirts while he sells some <laughs> before he becomes somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's going on, brother? What's going on? Oh, man. You know, everything is everything. Living his dad life. Working. School. Everything, man. So, you know, just making the best out of the situation that we got. I feel you, man. How about yourself, brother? Man, I'm telling you, brother. I tell you, I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm working at a, at a fat man conference, brother, but it's all good. Mm. Same thing, man. Just trying to get school started. You know, the kids is doing their thing. Son started basketball practice. You know how this 16-year-old, this cat, man, he think he Mario Andretti. I'm like, you better slow down, boy, before you start getting them tickets and be walking. But, you know, it's all good, man. Life is good. Life is good, even in these crazy times, man. Yeah. Just kind of trying to take things a little bit slower. You know, I was kind of weaned myself off of social media for a bit because, you know, man, it's just crazy nowadays as we get closer to election. I'm just done. I'm tired. Of it. I'm t- Every time I turn around, somebody mad about something. <laughs> yeah, I get, uh, I get a lot of those messages. Are you registered to vote? Let's get so and so out of the office, or let's get so and so in the office. I was messaging back like, "Look, if you message me again, I'm not going to vote for who you want me to vote." Exactly. I think I'm going. I think I'm going to write myself in, <laughs> but I better stop messing. <laughs> Wake up next day, get a knock on the door. Mr. President, who? Me? What? <laughs> hey, Manny, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write you in. Then. I'm gonna write you. In. Everybody, write in advance. Cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> VP and Manuel Noriega is the vice president. <laughs> you think it's oh, bad yeah, now? Be, be. <laughs> <laughs> grilling at the White House. <laughs> yeah, man. Grilling, getting some one on, get some uh, three on threes in the back court. <laughs> Build <laughs> an executive pool. Everybody sit up. Yeah, bro. exactly. All right, man. Let's get it together. Woo. Yes. All right. <laughs> Sorry, folks. It just, it just sometimes we have to let that out. Let that. So tonight we're going to tackle something that's a little bit different. Um, we're going to talk about fatherhood. We're going to look at, you know, what does it mean to us? What was our experiences growing up with our dads? What we, what it. Is now night for us to be fathers at different stages. Like I said, my man Manny's got two beautiful little ones. My little nephew and little niece be tearing up the joint. I got older ones, and they be making me broke. And then we're gonna look at some numbers and statistics and just see, discuss. You know, what do we see in our interaction day to day, and do we see some correlation between these numbers and what are we seeing out in society today? So that's going to be today's topic. It is fatherhood. But before we get started, you know what time it is. It's mail call. So what we got, Manny? We didn't get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got it. Yeah, I do. I do have a, a, one of my friends. He he is interested because he listens to to the podcast and he wants to uh, he wants to send in an email. I keep telling him, man, if you want if you want to know something, send something. He's a, he's big on on sports and everything. Okay. 
and uh, he knows you're from uh, Maryland, from the DC area. That's so, right. That's right. Um, he, yeah, he travels up there a lot. So um, he was interested in, uh, you know, kind of asking questions about your son, you know, because I tell him because uh, he listens to the podcast and you say talk about his basketball and stuff and everything. So yeah, he's just interested. He has questions about about you being from DC yeah, yeah, yeah. and your son. Also, I told him, you know, just get, just shoot an email, man. We'll, we'll definitely, I'm pretty sure he'll be glad to answer some definitely, questions. Definitely, definitely. I mean, unless there's any question about Northeast, Southeast, I don't know nothing. I don't talk about that. No, <laughs> no but definitely. I mean, that's the kind of interaction we want, right? It, like we said, it's not our show. It's the people's show. It's your show, exactly. you know. So, but that's all right, though. But, um, you know, what is, um, hit them with that email address, man, if they do want to join us to talk about or just give us some <laughs> feedback what is it sure. yeah yeah if, if you guys do want to to send an email in if you guys want some questions answered if you guys want to uh, us to clarify anything that we've been talking about if you guys just want to be part of the show uh, just go ahead and shoot us that email bfapodcasters at gmail.com again that's bfapodcasters at gmail.com Holla. excellent beautiful well, as we say, the show keep it moving. So, like I said, today, my brother, we're going to talk about fatherhood. So, I think today, what I see a lot in society, I mean, myself, folks, part of my background is I've coached uh, um, eight of the, well, really 10 of those. I've coached football at uh, high school, middle school, and junior college level. And I I can say for a fact, one of the things that has really been surprising to me was the number of young men who look to you as a father figure. Like, I never really grasped that when I first got into coaching. I thought it was just going to be X's and O's. But it turns out, like, with uh, I remember my first year uh, just as assistant coach at South Mountain High School and just some of the kids that would tell you, like, we had one man, you know, he was being raised by his grandma i was like oh because i asked him you know hey say your parents come to the game and he just told me point blank well they both are in prison right now he said but you know they get out he knew like what day they were getting out and he says he was just waiting for that day you know and it was just it was just interesting to see that and it kind of even manifested itself even when in when i got to junior college you know a number of the players who just come by my desk just to talk because they didn't father figure in their life to talk to about certain things like ask me just basic questions you know about whether it be dating or what to do when they you know get pulled over by the police i mean it's just things that you again that a son would have conversation they have with their father so it got me it really made me start thinking about what was my experience like with my dad and i mean I, you know, growing up man my father played a huge role in my life i mean he came from a rough background because he grew up in the south and didn't really know his dad but he did i believe an excellent job in raising me as and teaching me a lot of life lessons a lot of things that i still apply today um you know in my raising of my son but just in my day-to-day activities like one (laughs) one of his favorite sayings when i was growing up was it is what it is and you say that to people and sometimes they look at it and go, well, what does that mean? And his whole thing was, he said, a situation is the situation. You can't, you can, you can't change what the situation is at that moment. You can accept it and work to either improve it, make it better 
and keep it moving. He says it don't do any good to be throwing your hands. <laughs> he said if your house is on fire, throwing your hands up in the air screaming it's on fire. Yeah, you see it's on fire. You need to get some water <laughs> or do something to put it out. So it was like a lot of those things where, you know, he would teach those little lessons, but he was always involved. Like he would all he came to all my, you know, events, sporting events in high school, college, et cetera. He was always there. It's funny because I don't recall him many times telling he loved me, but it's like I knew he loved me just through his actions, even when he was laying down the discipline. Whew. Oof, the green room. I can still hear the screams. Um <laughs> but I knew he <laughs> But I knew that he loved me because he was fair and just. So, you know, that's kind of what the image that I have. I mean, he's still doing his thing today. We talk every, I haven't talked to him yet because, God dang it, man. He, the Browns beat the Redskins. I mean, excuse me, beat the Washington football the team. I, and, and he's a Browns fan from the days of Jim Brown. So I, I he's going to give me heat on that one. But anyway, so. Yeah, so that's kind of was my experience growing up. And, I mean, even now, me being uh, seasoned, or as Manny likes to say, old, my dad still has words of advice for me <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that, that I can apply, which teaches me that, you know, it's taught me that fatherhood never stops. It just changes different with the different seasons. So I'm going to throw it over to my cohort, who is a younger version, a less seasoned uh <laughs> individual what was it like with your with your pops manuel noriega man with my pops my pops has always been a, a hard-working man, man and and first of all you got to understand the dynamics of, of my family right uh, i got uh nine sisters and four oh. brothers so the dynamic of my family was a little bit different because the love was spread everywhere you know it wasn't just focusing on you know, two or three ki- kids, and it wasn't focusing on toddlers or teenagers or or anything specifically. It was a mix at every any given moment. You know what I mean? So my dad, my dad met my mom um, when my mom already had four kids. So uh, so my dad, you know, pretty much took in a family. You know, when he met my mom, and. Uh, you know, he raised them as his own. He loved them as his own. You know, uh, he, you know, he was he was their dad um, to a certain yeah. extent. And then, you know, then he started having kids with my mom. You know, and like I said, any given any given moment, like there was always whether you had a toddler, whether you had a teenager, uh, you know, uh, young adult. You know, so the, the love that was spread was you know, different because you have to pay attention to certain elements to, you know, a a young child and then you have to turn around and give certain elements of love to a teenager and everything. So every single one of us, every single one of the kids were, you know, kind of a year and a half to two years apart. So there was always, you know, that love that was spread around. I'm the second youngest. Okay. You know, so there, there's there's uh, 12 more ahead of me. I'm number 13. Wow. And then I had uh, my little sister. My little sister was uh, underneath me, of course. Um, and my little sister was about a year and a half younger than me. My sister above me, she's about a year and a half older than me. So, and that's kind of how it was to all, all of the kids. So, 
but but my dad, you know, because there was so many, you know, mouths to feed and clothes to put on the back and everything, it was always, you know, my dad's work, work, work. And that's 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 how I picture him every single day. You know, growing up was him going to work, coming home, you know, eating, resting, because he had to do the same thing over and over and over, just him working. Mm. And I always applauded that because, you know, growing up, I, I kind of seen it because when you're when you're the youngest and you don't really have you know responsibilities mm-hmm. like that, uh, all my older brothers and sisters they 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 all have the responsibilities of uh, looking after the young, mm-hmm. making sure that the young ones are okay in situations where mom and dad ain't gonna be there. You know, so I was always just observing, just observing everything, and, and one thing that I just always noticed about my dad was. You know, he, he keeps his head to the sky. You know, he, he just works. You know, man of few words. But a man of very few words. But if you talk to him, like if you just talk to him and have a conversation, he's like the funniest dude ever. Like, and I think that's like my, uh, my fiance, Crystal, she tells me all the time, she's like, you're just like your dad. And I, I get it. I think all of us, Fernandez girls, uh-huh. are just like my dad. Because we, we talk when we feel like we need to right. talk. But all the other times, we're just like, if it don't apply, let it fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't apply. I mean, you know, I don't need to say anything or anything like that. But very prideful. Very, very prideful. Um, and, and that's just how we are. I think that's how all minority right. males are. But I think we're, we're like super prideful. Um, and we get that all from my dad, man. So my dad, how I view him, he's he's like my hero. Um, because when it comes when it comes to work, I, I I'm just always like I gotta work, I gotta you know put something on the table. I gotta have if I don't have the responsibilities to give myself responsibilities to make my life better, give myself responsibilities to help out the family when needed. You know, just that's kind of what I got from right. him. It's always do more for others than what you would do for yourself. Yes, sir. You know what I mean. No, that's that's a good word. I mean, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's just like my I felt my father was kind of the same way. You know, he came to D.C. He likes to tell it. He said, yeah, he came, moved to Washington, D.C. with $30 in his pocket. <laughs> and he was able to, you know, he was, I remember when I was younger, he was working during the day for the Department of Justice and he was taking college classes at night. And I remember when me and my mom would go pick him up from school and, but he would always have time to just play with me and all that stuff. And then, you know, and as he progressed, I mean, it really it was the same thing. He was, I mean, I'm an only child, but it was like he instilled that work ethic in me from a very young age. Like, I, it's funny because I look around and, you know, my neighbors and everyone, they have landscapers. And I was talking to my son one time and he's like, did you have a landscaper? And I said, you looking at him. I was a landscaper when we <laughs> Every yeah. Saturday, shoot, yeah. I'd feel that that light would switch to go on, man, be out there working. But I mean, yeah. he, his philosophy was that if you get up early, get your work done, you got the rest of the day to do whatever you want. And, you know, I've kind of been that way ever yeah. since, you know, when it comes to getting things done that need to get done. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's crazy, you know, when you see that, how they just. You you pick up the same mannerisms because my father is a very he's a very he's very friendly guy like he he easily can blend with people you know 
but at the same time, he can have his moments when, especially when he's tired, <laughs> like, and, and I find I'm just like him when I get tired, man, don't, don't ask me for nothing. I'm going to tell you one time, <laughs> I'm tired, leave me alone. <laughs> but, um, so what do you think are probably, and I think you probably touched on this, but what do you think are probably maybe the two or top three things that your father instilled in you that you find yourself using with your children today? You know, one thing, one thing, uh, one thing for sure that I can, I can say um, is, is work, work for a purpose. You know what I mean? My, my father always worked for a purpose and he still works for a purpose. He's getting ready to, to retire next year. So uh, he, he, he always works for a purpose and that purpose was always for his family. Always making sure that um, you know, he'll be going through, you know, there's always the lights on, the clothes, clothes on the back. That was my dad. That's kind. Of, that's kind of how I see myself. You know, for the past maybe two, three years, you know, I've been working full time. You know, ever since I had my kids, I've been working full. Well, I've been working full time for a while, but I've been working full time and put on a, a second job as well. Like right now, I work two jobs. Um, and I, I just always wanted to make sure that my kids have everything that I never had, you know, um, um, but also I want to give them everything that I always had. And I think that's more important, giving them everything that I always had more than anything that, that I never had, because everything that I always had was I always had a place to lay my head. I always had water to take a shower. You know, I had food on the table. You know, I had, you know, family around, you know, and, and that's what I definitely want my kids to have. And that's that's what right. they have right now. Of course, given the current climate of the world and COVID and everything, but, you know, there, I always have family around, which is a bun, have a phone call, you know, you know, we can do video chats, we can do all of this stuff. I and mean, that's something I always want to give them. You know, family is, is, is the most important thing to me. And that's how I want my kids, and that's what, what I want my kids. You know, um, but also, um, I think the second thing that I that my dad taught me <clears throat> was was never like, how can I put this? So my dad, we we never really were the you know, hey, let's go out and have a catch, son, and you know. Uh, he didn't really like teach me a lot of certain things, but I never faulted him for that. You know what I mean? My dad was always working, and plus I had older bro- brothers and older sisters that taught me a lot of that stuff. You know, so I never faulted my dad for that because I knew what he was doing. I always looked at him and was like, I know he's doing this. I don't have to bother him for certain things because what he taught my older brothers and sisters, they can teach me. While my dad doesn't have to step away from his grind, from his purpose, from his work to to teach me because it's still a trickle-down effect. Whatever he taught my older brothers and sisters, they're going to teach me. It's going to trickle down to me. Uh You know what I mean? So, you know, always, you know, work. Make sure that you work for a purpose. And that's, that's what I do now. My purpose is my family. And, and never fault anybody, you know, for having their own uh, purposes in life. You know, I can't tell somebody to step away and take away from what they're doing just so they can 
do something for me. I never do that. I never ask it. But my, I think one of the, the, the biggest thing from that that I took away is help yourself before you expect somebody else to. Because if you're just stop working hard and stop grinding and are always looking for handouts or anything, then you're really serving no purpose to anybody. Right? So that those are some of the things that I'm Nice, good stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I would have to say for my dad was, you know, he was, sports was kind of like our bonding thing because he was actually, uh, four, I think he was a four sport athlete in high school. He, no, it was three because he had a basketball, football, yeah, basketball, football, baseball, and he ran track. And so that was kind of like our bonding force in that sense. And his whole thing was, he used to always say to me, be a student of the game, like be a student and study the game and I didn't get that in high school because I was a pretty good athlete, you know what I'm saying? Do a little something, something. But then when I got to college and then everybody was good, like and people were better, it took me a couple of years to understand what it meant to be like a student of the game, to understand the small nuances. And he always, you know, he would always say, work on something small every day. Like work on something that, you know, can help you be a better all around player. And it's like it made sense. Like you could say maybe, you know, for basketball one day, working on your, your extension on your jump shot, just work on that the whole, that whole time, you know, whereas everybody likes to do bounce from this to that. It was always about the small things. Um, but yeah, that and the work ethic, I think too, the real thing for him was to um, just to have a belief in self, you know, um, that was the biggest thing is that you don't, as he used to say, you, you don't need someone else to come into your life and tell you what you're doing wrong. He says, you can do bad on your own. That used to always be his catchphrase. He says, always believe in yourself and, and what you're doing, you know, and having that sense of confidence when it came to that as well. So, and I think those were kind of the same things that it was interesting as I got older, and especially when I got into coaching, I started studying it more and more. And it's like, it made sense what he was saying because you can start seeing little intricate details. And I think really that carries over in life too, is that you start seeing little details in people and things that you notice and tendencies of that nature. And those were those things. Cause I think like you said, you were, you hit something on the head that I thought was very interesting when you said about minority fathers and the grind that they not only in the workforce, but just the fact that just fighting for respect day to day too, you know, having mm -hmm. to deal with that um, aspect and then coming home and, you know, being a father and, you know, those type of things. But I think the one thing my dad taught me, he said, <laughs> his philosophy is when you work, you work. And when you rest, you rest. And he always would say he was good. At, he said, he's, he said, he would say, I'm really good at doing absolutely nothing. And I used to crack me up because he would be going on vacation. He'd do absolutely <laughs> nothing, you know. So that kind of, I try to instill that in my life sometimes. It's like there's some days, you know, I'm just like, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm tired. And it's, and I've learned that that's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from that standpoint, like how have you, um, how have you instilled that? Because you got little teeny people's, how have you instilled that upon them, even though at an early age? Like, I've seen, you know, I see your son, I see your daughter, I see sometimes the videos that you post be cracking me up with your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, man, uh, <laughs> another, she's, 
you're a little sassy one, man. And she gets it from her, she gets that from her mom. That little sassy attitude she gets from her mom. Yeah, but no, man. I I love my kids to death, and, and I remember. I remember when I first found out that uh, uh, we, were, we were having Marcus, my son. That's my oldest. So I remember when we first found out and I was at work and then uh, Crystal called me and she told me everything. And You know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't scared, you know, because I've been around kids my whole life. You know, um, I, I really wasn't scared. Um, I Nervous, I guess you can say I was nervous because I think, you know, when you're doing anything new for the first time, you know, you tend to have those little, you know, chitter emotions and, you know, you don't know what to expect or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I was definitely nervous. Um, I, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared at all. Um, and I think one thing that, one thing that I, I, I picked up from my dad was uh it's mm. it's okay to fail you know but just mm. as long as you're trying yep you know what i mean i wasn't i wasn't gonna leaving or running away or anything like that that never crossed me that's mm-hmm. you know, that never crossed me you know and i know my dad you know being the person that he is he took on four kids that weren't his you know um, mm-hmm. my blood anyway Four kids that wasn't his, and he raised them. And then he had, you know, ten others with my mom. So it's like, you don't like, you don't like nothing. Like nothing's perfect. Like I grew up in in the household with all of them at one point, and it was like nothing was ever perfect. You know, bills were late. You know, because there's so many people in the house. You know, bills were late. Food was a little bit scarce. You know. Um, there were times where, you know, we didn't have hot water running, so we had to, like, boil water on the stove and then take a bath with it before we went to school and stuff like that. Like, like it wasn't perfect. Nothing was perfect, you know. But it was – everything was okay and everything was good just because, you know, people in the, people like my dad and my mom, like, they kept working to better our life. Like, it's, it's okay to fail. Like, something – some things happen. People have setbacks. It's okay to fail. Just – Make sure that you're trying. We don't want to see you not try, and that's the right. reason for your failure. It's okay to fail, and that's kind of how like I felt when I first had Marcus because I was like, I don't, I really don't know what to expect, and all I could tell myself was like, Hey, you're you're there, like you you love this moment that you're having with a child, but you know, we don't know how to be parents because we've right. never been parents before. We're gonna fail at some things, whether it's you know giving him the wrong food or you know. Cursing in front of the TV when the game's on and them hearing it, picking it up, stuff like that. Like, you're going to fail at something. Nobody's the perfect parent. There's no such thing as the perfect parent. There's no such thing as the perfect person in general. But, like, be, it's okay. Like, just just be there. Just, you know, just be there for your kid. And that's, and that's kind of how, you know, I was brought up. You know, my dad was always there, like, whenever I needed him for anything. And, like, he was always there and he was never going to, you know, I remember when I graduated uh, college. You know, my dad. My dad always told me, like, whenever every time my dad would get drunk at Stanford, he would tell me that I'm ten times the man that he ever was. You know, 
after he told me that after I graduated high school. He said, son, you're 10 times more of a man than I ever, than I ever was. And, and then I kept thinking to myself, like, how, like, how can a man that's taking on four kids that, that aren't his had 10 kids of his own after that, you know, keep the lights on in the house, keep the water on, pay the bills, do all of this. And here I am, just a 17-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid that just graduated high school and he's telling me that I'm 10 times a man for the kid ever You know what I mean? And and that just baffled me. Like, that baffled me. I was like, I, I, like, I don't even do nearly as much hard work as you do. You know, but but he always told me. He always told me. You know, we'll understand. We'll, we'll understand one day. So when I had Marcus, so when we had Marcus, um, uh, I remember I talked to my dad and I told him, you know, the was going on. He was happy. He was happy. And then he told me, yeah, he loved me. And then I told him, man, I love you more. Than and he was like, that's impossible. When I told him I love you more, he said that's impossible. And then when I when I I, I didn't understand like, if, yeah, your parents are gonna love you more and everything, but I I really at that moment I felt like I because I was having a son, I was like I, I love you more because everything that you taught me like it's I'm going to teach right. it. So when I had Marcus and then I told and now I tell him I love him all the time, but when he's able to say it back to you, that's that's. Yep a whole different feeling and then I remember when I told him I love you and he said I love you more and then I looked at him and I said that's impossible at that very moment I understood why my dad told me right. it was impossible so it just did like a complete you know 360 for me you know how, how everything just came back around and I was just like man like this kid does not know you know how much I love and care for him everything that I'm doing you know going to school for him, you know, working two jobs, you know, buying him everything that he wants, you know, and trying to, you know, just be there, you know, just have these conversations with him. Even though it's only three, like, we have conversations. You know, he talks to me about dinosaurs and monster trucks, and yep. just be there, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, just, I'm there. I'm not, I'm not perfect in any way. I don't know every single dinosaur, but he'll tell me more dinosaurs than I ever thought were real. Like, I'm not perfect and it's just, yep. just be there. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. That's, 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 that's funny. That's funny because my son was into dinosaurs when he was about your son's age, actually. And I mean, but he was just ridiculous. Like he knew the period, he knew the crustacean period, this period, that period. And there used to be a show called The Dinosaur Train. Mm-hmm. He was actually elected to be on that show. So he was actually on TV. But um, yeah, well, nice. I, was like, I remember one time we were at the store. <laughs> And he had his t-shirt with a brontosaurus, and this lady, this lady walks up to him. And she goes, "Oh my goodness, dinosaur!" And he just rolls his eyes and he says, "No, he's not scary because he's an herbivore, which means he eats plants. So he's not going to eat me. So he's not a T-Rex, which would probably eat me. But I'm not scared because he's a plant eater and has flat teeth." And she just looked at me and I said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> But I think, yeah, and, it, and that's good stuff. And I think the same thing is you, you, you said something that was very prevalent when I said that you don't have to be perfect to be a dad, but you have to be present. And I can just think of, you know, yeah. 
how much my dad was there and even in you know he's always been there and been my biggest supporter like I said I remember you know when my kids were born my son and then my daughter was born and she had some challenges and then you know parents were supportive they they didn't really know they just said well we're here for you my dad was like I'm here for you and then unfortunately when you know my marriage came to an end I remember my dad was said to me he said the only thing I'm gonna say to you is take care of your kids like he said that's it and he just told me you know he asked me am I going to come back to DC he said and then he said take care of your kids he said I don't want to hear about kids and he said you know and he instilled that work ethic because matter of fact I think about when me and Manuel Noriega actually first met was during a was it the summer program that you started and at that time I had been laid off from my other job where I was at Coca-Cola so no no it was a different job I had I got um, laid off from so I was working I don't even think you knew this I was working that job and three other jobs for like a year like I was working seven days a week doing everything from the ACE program to teaching swim lessons yes I can swim be quiet (laughs) but my dad (laughs) but my my dad taught me he said if they you know you do whatever you got to do to hustle to make money to keep food on the table you know so it was it never crossed my mind not to do things but I think like you said the biggest thing is to be present like even me and my son you know we're I mean we we me and his mom we live like five minutes apart but I see them every day we talk pretty much every day well now he's getting older so he's doing his own thing but just always present like you know you see my posts like at his basketball games during the summer just like and it bro they be killing you bro ten dollars a head Every time I'm like, yo, this is summer ball. I don't see LeBron James up in here, (laughs) you know, but, and it's just that, like you're saying, that's the one thing that I see with so many young men, where that pain is where their father is not there. Like I was watching a documentary. I remember a few years back and there was these kids in New York and, you know, they were talking all these things and, you know, talking about this, this and that. And then when the conversation turned to, their dad you could just see them get quiet and you could see that pain but they tried to mask it with anger and all this stuff but Mm -hmm. you could just you could feel it that that hole was there because they you know their pops wasn't there with them just to have a comp like saying just to have a conversation to sit down with them or just to you know enjoy the small things you know that's the one thing i've learned too from my dad it doesn't take much like i remember you know growing up my dad taking me see the the Washington hmm, football games and going to see the Washington <laughs> bullets when they would play at the Capitol center, you know, going out there and just that, those times together with him, those memories, you know, one of the best ones was, I and I said, my dad was like a ticket hustler. I don't know how he pulled this off. He got tickets to the Eastern conference finals between the Sixers and the Celtics when Larry Bird and Dr. J were playing. And we took the train up to Philadelphia. I don't know how he did it to the day. I still don't know. But I, but we got to go to the old spectrum and watch that. So, I mean, just things like that, that he would go out of his way just to make sure we were able to share those experiences. And I'm kind of, you know, doing the same thing right now. So, you know, but, man, it's, it, it's, it's a challenge because when we look at today, really, you know, we see that in just the, the youth of today, you know. And, I mean, yes, people are – demonstrating yes and all these things but you just can see where like the stuff i see today for real 
my father and his friends would not tolerate it. Like, if we would have been out there running around like these cats are, you would have seen, like, a wall of dads coming down the street with belts in hand. They would have just been whooping. And just <laughs> get home. Pack, get, pop, pop. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. It just would have been like mass beatings. They would have had like Gatorade and sweat towels, <laughs> taking breaks, get up and start beating people again. You know, because <laughs> they also believed in standing up for yourself, but they believed in discipline as well. So, you know, it's crazy, man. It's just crazy. Well, man, that's good stuff. So, folks. You know, we're going to take a short break and then when we come back, numbers and show what the impact is of not having a father in someone in a young person's life. So that's going to be rather eye opening and rather sobering for those people who are out there that are dads that are thinking of becoming about fathers. This is some good food for thought. So stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in. As always, for BFA. This is VP and Manuel Noriega, and we'll be back in 30 seconds. All right, welcome back to BFA Podcast. This is VP with his co-host, Manuel Noriega. Uh, tonight, we are talking about fatherhood. So we gave you a little insight in the first half on our experiences growing up and what our dads meant to us and the role that they play. Um, as always on our show, we'd like to give you some numbers, some statistics to kind of sh- support or maybe shed light on the issue that we're discussing. And I can tell you, Manny, some of these things, man, I mean, people, you know, I know we're in this generation of people having, you not wanting to identify with a gender and things of that nature. But I'm telling you, man, I'm looking at some of this information here, it's, oof. Man, it's sobering when it talks about the role of dads. Um, you know, I'm just going to throw yeah. some stuff out here real quick. You know, according, it's called from a uh, study titled The Fatherless Generation. And it says, as far as statistics, they said 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, according to U- U.S. Department of Health, uh, Health Census, which is five times the national average. It said 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, which is 32% higher than national average. It says 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the national average, according to Center of Disease Control. This one was kind of scary. It said 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, which is four times, 14 times higher than the justice and behavior statistics. Uh, survey and it says 71 percent of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes which is nine times the average according to national principles association report yes and speaking of education it said how does fatherless factors into education it says fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school 40 percent are less likely uh fa- i'm sorry fa- children who have fathers that are involved are 40 percent less likely to repeat a grade in school 70% less likely to drop out of school and are more likely to get A's in school and fa- children with fathers in the home are more likely to get involved and enjoy extracurricular activities. And it says, um, this one here, it says 75% of adolescent patients and chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, which is 10 times that nas- 10 times the a- national average. So, man, what is, I mean, you hear that, brother, man, that just, that, that's tough. Yeah, that is tough. And I I think a lot of it has to, you know, I think 
the mental aspect is definitely a major part in it. You know, uh, just because, like, you said, I think you said, I think 77% are more likely uh-huh. to participate in extracurricular activities, you know, um, and I think that that has to come from uh, the father being in-house because coming from where, where, we, where I come from, you know, South Phoenix, um, those that don't have that father in their home are not in these schools, not in extracurricular activities because they feel, hey, I need to keep the light on. I need, I need to right. help mom out with, you know, the bills. Or babysit my little brother or little sister because my mom has two jobs. She has to work right. in the morning and she works at night shift. So, you know, a lot of stuff it can stem from that. Um, and, and not having that father figure around puts more of a burden on the kid more than, you know, than anything. You know, and, and I can I can only imagine like the mental aspect, you know, that yeah, the toll that it takes on the kid. Um because you know, I started working when I was sixteen, but that was my choice. You know? I didn't have to do it. That's just something that I wanted to do. But being told that that you have to work, yep. you know, from a parent or you know, older brother or sibling at that age, you know, that's kind of like you're forcing them to yep. be ten years older than what they really are. You know, you know, they're sixteen years old. Like they're they're not done growing yet. They're you know, only, you know, junior in high school, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, I can only imagine you know, them just saying, hey, work, like you're done being a kid, go work. And it's not like the money that they're bringing home is solely for them. Right. You got to keep the lights on, you know, you got to put food on the table, you know, you got to buy, you know, diapers for your little brother, little sister and all that stuff. So, and, and then I, I can only imagine, you know, the toll that it takes moving forward like them growing up you know uh that that'd probably have a uh impact on whether they want to have kids or not you know that all because they're probably thinking you know i don't i don't want to put my kids through that or i don't want to go through that again you know working you know whatever it is like it's it's tough like it's a tough it's a tough spot to be put in as a kid and it's probably a tough spot for a parent to ask yeah. No, it's very true. I mean, I think, again, looking back at the ACE program, we saw a couple of instances where we experienced that firsthand where the young man was told either you work mm-hmm. or you go to school or no, you had to work instead of going to school. And, you know, trying to explain to the parent that by him continuing his education, he's going to have more opportunities to make more income to help the family out. And you could just see it where, you know, I mean, like I said, these kids, 15 years old, and all of a sudden you're the man of the home and you're having to get a job to bring in the money. And that, like I said, that's a lot on a kid at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, too, what you see in, like, for example, this statistic here, it says 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes, according uh, to Fulton County, Georgia jail population, the Texas Department of Corrections. And what I believe happens is that other factors become end up playing the role of father. So you'll have kids, you know, you're being raised by, as they used to say back in the day, you're being raised by the streets. So that's where the gangs come in because you have older males that are showing them quote love 
uh, form of love and teaching them, say, you know, I'm going to teach you how to be a man like that. And they're getting that approval and they're getting that sort of positive feedback and positive energy from people they really don't need to be associating with because there's no one in the home from a male figure standpoint to give them that direction, you know? And again, like you're saying, if a kid is playing sports, you might have a coach who can give that. But, you know, again, like we're saying, those kids aren't playing sports because guess what? Dad's not at home to teach them how to shoot a basketball, you know, or teach them how to catch a football or teach them how to throw a baseball. So they don't have, and you know, they may not grow up, especially now where they don't have PE in school where kids can, you know, hone their craft. You don't, you don't see that anymore. So that's definitely a factor that can be a contributing one. And then you get into the situations where, Conversely, you might have a young man who is a father at an early age, but him and a mom aren't together. And then you got baby mama drama, and her mom's using the kid as a tool to keep the father away. And now he's trying to fight to see his kid, and he can't, or she's making it difficult. And now he gets to the point, he gets frustrated and leaves. Because I remember I had this conversation with a young man, and he said the same thing. He's like, man, you know, she just made And I told him, I said, keep trying. Because you don't want to give up. And then one day you see your son out walking while you're out somewhere and he looks at you and he says, man, I hate you because you were never there. I said, your kids will know if you're trying. I said, you just got to reach a peace with the mom. It's like, I know it's not on you. And she's just trying to use him as a tool, as a weapon to get back at you. But you got You can't let that affect your yeah. ability of doing your job as a father, you know. And it's just, like you said, it's just crazy when you look at these numbers. And the thing about girls, too, is they learn how they should be treated by men from their fathers. Like, you you see that in the sense that, you know, this adult show, but women who are very quick to be physically active with men, they feel that that's the way to gain a man's love or respect or have him, you know, care for her and to be physical because she... Men, we are more physical than we are emotional when it comes to relations with women. And if a father's not there to teach her her self-worth or her value, she's willing to fall into that trap of thinking that, oh, value is what I can do for him physically, that situation, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy when you look at that because you were saying about um, some of the statistics, like you were saying about your father, uh, raising you, I mean, raising kids that weren't his own, and they kind of talk about that too, where that where they're showing um, uh, like they said, uh, according to the census, the father his statistics said twenty six point five million was the number of fathers who are part of married couple families with their own children under eighteen, but then he said um, that there's I think it's like two point five million who live with parents, uh, children that aren't their own, which I found was kind of interesting. Yeah, so, you, I mean, I think today with the way things are in society, you're seeing that more and more. You're seeing, you know, fathers stepping into the role, being stepdads and things of that nature uh, when their parents are remarrying at later ages. So, but I think all in all, it's really the numbers are speaking of the importance of a father 
in a child's life. Not to say that the mothers don't play a role. Ladies don't be sending us hate mail talking about you ain't saying nothing about you ain't carrying him for nine yeah. months. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But what I'm saying is that you're seeing what the numbers say, I mean, and it's saying and it's showing that because a father, and it, let me get and this, let me just say this, men out there, just because you can make a baby, don't make you a father. All right, so don't get that twisted. Because some of y'all walk around like, yeah, you know, I got. Mm-mm. Being a father and being a donor are two different things, you know. And because to me, being a father is about you sacrifice, but you don't, it's not a sacrifice. You do it because you love your child. You do it because it's what your duty is. Your duty is to provide, your duty is to be a leader. Like, what? goes to one of the best high schools in the state, but it's a stretch financially. It's a stretch, but it's my job to make sure he has the best opportunity possible, period. It ain't about me no more. If I got to eat ramen noodles, I'll eat ramen noodles and keep it moving from that standpoint. So I think that's the thing, too, as men, and we discovered this, and Manny can speak on it when we were working in an ACE program, is that I believe that some of those young men were looking at us as role models as well even though we never they never said it directly but they saw how we handled our responsibilities what do you think yeah no i I agree especially when it comes to the the students in the ace program um i remember having some of those side conversations where um it'd be a a couple sometimes it would be like a group of a group of young young men that would just be hanging out and then we would just walk by and then we'll casually strike up a conversation, whether it be about sports or whatever it is, we'll have a conversation and then it'll ultimately lead to, hey, how you doing? In, how you doing in your class? All this, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, so, some of these young men just play things off. Oh, I'm all right. You know, you know I'll, I'll get my homework done. Oh, my instructor does this, this, and this. Not giving me a chance to do this, this, and this, whatever it is. <clears throat> and then it'd be one, one student in there would you know, kind of be quiet about it and just be like, oh, I'm doing good. I, I do my homework, all this, this, and that. But then when they're not around their boys, they come around solely and then they say, hey, I'm actually struggling in this course. Do you think you can help me out or give me the resources or, you know, show me a tutor and stuff like this, where it's like, it's okay to voice right. your struggles as a, as a, as a man, you know? It's it's okay to voice those. It's okay to say, "Hey, I need help," and and uh, oh, I want to tie this in a little bit. But when you when we're talking about you know fathers stepping in um, for kids that you know weren't there, because I, I don't know, if I forgot the statistics that you said, but you know, there's so many fathers nowadays, you know, that are in the household with kids that aren't theirs, and I think it's because. First of all, a father's love is different than a mother's love. Father's love is completely different. Uh, mothers, again, like I said, don't hate us or anything like that. You guys got it, you know, 20 times, you know, tougher than what us fathers do. At least that's what I think. Uh, you guys you guys got it a little bit tougher than we do. So um, thank you guys, guys for all that you do. But the father, father's love is definitely different. Yeah, exactly. Well, the father's love is definitely different. It, it's hard to explain what a, what a father's love is, because I think when I when I look at my mom, like I know, right. like it's always there's always love there. There's always 
no matter what, you know, I don't care what you do, just as long as you're happy type of love. I want to make sure that I did right. If you need anything, call me. If you're hungry, you know, let me know. That that like a mother is just nurturing. Like that's right. just that's just their nature. I think for for me, for for having the father that I have, it was more so of seeing him work at his certain aspect. It was like everything that I wanted to do, you know, the goals that I set up for myself, I was like, I have to reach them because I don't want to be a disappointment right. in his eyes. You know what I mean? It's it, it's different in that aspect of having your father's love and your and your mother's love. I know, you know, my like I can I can, you know, if I would have failed college or anything like that, mm-hmm. my dad would have said, Hey, I know you tried your hardest. It's okay. You know, I said, I love you. I'm not disappointed in you. But the fact that I, I felt that way was just because of how I felt, how I viewed my father of me. You know, so mother's love is completely different. And I think for some, for some of these younger kids that are growing up without a father, you know, they grow up. And they, they may not have kids, but they might see, uh, you know, a, a young lady that they like and that young lady has kids and mm-hmm. they may feel, hey, I know what it's like to be father. I know what it's like to not have that love in the house. You know, I love I, I like this girl. If she has a kid, you right. know, so be it. Like you said, it is what it is. That's the situation. How can I, you know, grow as a man, you know, if I like this girl? You know, this kid, you know, that's them. You know, I'm an addition, if anything. That kid is not an addition to, to his life. He's an addition to that because they're already a family. Now, how can this young gentleman say, hey, hey, how can I come in and better uh, help better myself, help better this family that's already here? You know, I don't have a father. You know, like they could be thinking, I don't have a father. I don't know what it's like to have a father, but I know what it's like to be right. young and not have a father. How can they, you know, portray being a father in, in different different realms if they never? Been? So it's 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 just you know some some things that you know some of these young kids, younger kids might be thinking growing up, or it's even some people now that are stepping into these single family households and everything like that. So I, you know, it's it's just it's crazy when you hear those statistics because it's just mind boggling. Um, but you know, having a father is vital. It's really vital because that's where I think where our fathers are where we learn our discipline. Mm-hmm. When you when you weren't doing something, when you got in trouble, you know what did my mom? I'm gonna tell you, daddy. Like I'm gonna tell you that, and that that worked for me. Like every time I wasn't cutting the grass or taking out the trash, and my mom said, "Hey, I'm calling your dad." And, you know, best before she even said that, I was out there taking out the trash, no doubt, grass, whatever. It was. No doubt, that's like that's it's funny you just say that because <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. The discipline comes from from our came from my father like it wasn't my mom my dad was he was the judge jury and executioner you know and it was but he had a strike three strikes rule and it's like on that third strike all right we done talked about this you know the deal but it's the same thing it was like it was interesting too speaking of which like you're saying that discipline it's like i grew up in a time when not only could your father discipline you, but your neighbor could discipline you. And his, your father's friend, if they saw you cutting up, discipline you. So it was like they took and everyone took an active role in making sure you were doing what you're supposed to. You know, and like I said, that's one of the things I discovered in sports that 
you know, when a kid, a young man is constantly acting up or doing things wrong, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't know what to do. It was more, he was just craving that attention that I started to discover. And it's like, once you kind of get beyond that, you're seeing that mm -hmm. even a negative response from a male figure is, is still more, is something worthy to them. You know what I'm saying? Have somebody that will, uh, they want that discipline just to get, because that shows them the feeling of love, you know, not saying that moms can't discipline, but it's, it's, it's totally different, yeah. you know? And it's just like I was saying about statistics for, for, um, um, males it says here even which is interesting it said daughters of single parents without father with a father without a father involved are 53 percent more likely to marry as teenagers 711 percent more likely to have children as teenagers and 100 that's right 164 percent more likely to have a premarital birth and 92 percent more likely to get divorced themselves so it's crazy when you see what it means not to have a father in a home or not to have a two parent home and the impact it has on, on children. And you just see it becomes a generational thing. It comes from, well, my father, my dad's father wasn't at home. And then my dad's dad's father wasn't at home. You know, I think Ray Lewis talked about it um, in his documentary where he said, you know, he saw like when he got a, met, finally reconnected with his father and had found out that his father had left him when he was younger. And then his father, his grandfather, his father had done the same thing. And he said it was a generational curse that needed to be stopped. So, and that can kind of leads us into, and I think really, um, we kind of answered it, but we didn't. We always like to have on the show, what do we think are some solutions to this challenge? And I think that one of the things, and I'll go first here, is that there is a need for as men take an active role, not only in our kids' lives, but other kid, young men that we come in contact with. Like Manny was saying, he would, uh, when we're with the ACE program, he would just pull guys aside, have conversations with them, give them little nuggets of information, things that they can think about. Being that active role is something that we have to, we have to take on that duty because there's so many times that people just get caught up in their own world and say, well, I ain't my kid. I ain't got nothing to do with that. But it does because it's everything. I mean, look at these statistics, you know, you're seeing these increase in incarcerations. It does affect you because guess where your money has to go, your tax dollars go to, to help, you know, feed and house these young men or, or young women that are in the prison system. You know, they start getting involved in activities like you're seeing in Portland. I'm not saying that follows this, but I'm just using an example. Your tax dollars go to make the repairs of those things that are being damaged because they aren't having someone in their life saying, hey, you don't need to be involved in that. You can exercise your, you know, your, your um, anger through your vote or through running for office or something of that nature. You don't have anyone given in the right direction. So my solution, I think, is that we just have to take a more active role from, uh, from being men and stepping in when we have the opportunity. And not, I'm not saying sacrificing your duties at home, but when you have opportunities to impart some wisdom or to take an active role, to embrace that role, knowing that you're trying to, for some of them, you may be breaking a cycle, generational cycle, um, of any such event in their lives. What say you? 
I think fathers, men in general, need to need to not be as prideful as we are, because I know I'm very prideful. Um, but don't be so prideful that it makes you stubborn into into your ways of being a father. Like I like I stated earlier, there's there's no perfect father out there. There's no perfect person out there. You know, uh, join, you know, groups where, you know, there's a bunch of fathers and then you just sit around talking about, you know, your kids or, or whatever it is. Um, I, I, when my son started T-ball um, back in, in March before the whole coronavirus hit and everything, you know, he was out there and, and he was crying. You know, he, he, there was a lot of kids around. He didn't know what to do. You know, um, granted, he, he was three years old. Um, everybody else was like four to six years old or whatever. And he was out there crying, didn't know what to do, wasn't really paying attention. And it was, it like frustrated me a little bit, you know, cause I'm like, man, like just, you know, go out there. And then one of my, one of my uh, good friends was, was out there cause his daughter was in T-ball too. It wasn't her first time doing this. She, she was in T-ball last year and everything. And he was like, hey, he's like, hey, dude, just, you know, just go out there with them. Like, it's okay. It's only T-ball. And like in the back of my mind, you know, because my family is so big on sports and everything, you know, in the back of my mind, I wasn't thinking that it's just T-ball. I was thinking like, yo, this is going to be his first time playing sports, you know, this or whatever it is. But in the back of my mind, I wasn't thinking it's just T-ball. And, and my good friend, he was saying, he's like, you know, just go out there with him and just show him. So I went out there with him. I was standing out in the outfield with him. And he enjoyed it. Whenever the ball was coming his way, he got it. He threw it. Didn't know where he was throwing it to, but he just threw that thing. And and it, it's just some of those things where it's like, hey, we just need to we just need to listen to other people that have been there before. You know, listen to people that that have advice for you. You may like you don't have to do whatever it is that they're telling you, but just know that there's different angles, there's different perspectives, there's different views on how to be a father. There's different views on what it's like to have kids. There's different views on what it's like to go to these t-ball games or or whatever it is. You know, there's different views on it. You're not gonna know everything. You know, just be involved in in groups if you can. Do some reading. Um, you know, just go watch other parents out there with their kids. Whatever it is, you know, just just be a little bit more active uh, in trying to learn. You know, and then trying to better your ways of of what it's yeah, like to I actually agree. raise. I agree. Kids. I mean. That's the thing. I think that you made a great point is that it that's something that is lost is that generation teaching, you know, that that passing down that information of saying this is what you need to do, you know, and and some of it, too, just getting back to sometimes it's getting back to that tough love as well when it comes to your kids, because I, I can think of times when my son was younger and I remember one person they thought I was being hard on him. I told him, I said, look, I said, if he doesn't learn to respect authority now, he ain't going to learn it when he gets older and he's out in the streets where the consequences are a lot more dire than his dad getting upset with him because he was acting up in school, you know, from that standpoint. So, you know, like, so. Exactly. I I, I give Marcus tough love all the time. Like every time, every time, Mm -hmm. Uh, he watches something with like monster trucks. He loves monster trucks right now, and, and you know he wants something. And he asks me, "Hey, daddy, can we go get this?" 
you know, uh, and I'm like, yeah, we, we can we can definitely go get it if you want it. Mm-hmm. But then I go to his room, like ain't, his toys are everywhere and everything's a mess. I tell him, like, you ain't getting nothing until this room is clean. And then he'll like cry or whatever it yep. is. And I'm just like, look, all that crying is not going to do nothing. <laughs> you know, it's not going to do nothing but make you tired and make your voice hurt. That's 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 all it's yep. going to do. Like, all that crying. I, I can sit here. You know, mind my business. You can cry all you want. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing's going to get you that way. Yep. Pick up your toys. Clean your room like you're supposed yep. to. I mean, that, that, and then that's maybe funny. we can see what yep. we can do about I, it. I think the same thing. Like now my son is older. You know, he plays basketball and he's starting. He's on you know, varsity this year or whatever. And their philosophy is a little bit different in what position they're having him play. And he came home. He was all pissed off. And I, you know, and I told him, I was like, well, what, you know, he's like, I'm not even motivated anymore. I said, well, then I said, you're going to make their job easy when it comes to them determining who's going to start and who gets what amount of time. I said, because you're going to roll over and, you know, make them justify what they don't know about how much you've improved. And he just kind of looked at me and I said, you know, I told him, I said, call your shooting coach. And she would have said, I got to go run an errand. He came back and he's like, yeah, I'm better now. And it's just, it was funny because the guy basically said the same thing. But, of course, you know how it is with a father. When your kid hits it from someone else, it's law. But you could say it ten times over. So it's just like for me, like I told him that work – it's just my dad instilled in me that work ethic. He says if you – he said make it hard for them to make a decision. Don't make it easy for someone to make a decision, you know. And make them – and then make them second-guess the decision that they made it if it doesn't go your way. So – yeah, that's that's good stuff right there. I mean, like I said, we we're both fathers at different stages in our lives, folks, and it's just but the challenges still stay the same. It's like I'm saying, I mean, my man Mr. Noriega knows that I'm an open book as far as if he ever had a question or opinion, I can be like, mm, or I can be like, Hey man, I, I'm I'm right there. <laughs> I'm right there, right there with you. <laughs> Beautiful thing watching him. <laughs> interact with his kids and his, his daughter be dropping it she'd be dropping that tood on people she'd be looking at looking at you on snapchat like you owe her money and stuff i'm like dang god like easy 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 yeah <laughs> you know. oh man she looked me up and down the first time i met her like she is That's like what's, 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 what's that you with <laughs> oh but <laughs> And there's also there's also a difference yep. between oh, yeah. a father loving oh, yeah. his son and a father. Yes, sir. I mean, I mean, my, my daughter is so much more that. like me, but she, man, yeah. she gets away with murder, Jack. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she. My I remember when <laughs> I remember when she was my son was probably eleven, and so she's what she now she's three years younger than she was eight. She might have been. She walked by him, and for no reason at all, she hit him with an elbow in the stomach. He's looking at. He looks at me. He's like, "Are you not going to do something?" <laughs> I'm like, "You probably deserved it." He's like, "My goodness, <laughs> do something with her." <laughs> oh man! But so, with that, it's time for one of our favorite parts of the show. As we like to wrap it up, we call it "Yay or Nah." So I got a couple of different ones. Uh, did you see today that Doc Rivers is no longer the head coach of the Clippers? Now, now, do you think that was, or I do you think that. that he was a scapegoat? 
What say you? Okay. No, that was justified. That was justified. I think that was mm-hmm. justified because it's not the first time where he's mm-hmm. lost a 3-1 lead. It's not the first time where he's lost a 3-2 lead. Uh, given that, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's it justified. Really? He's been the head coach for, I think, what, like seven years now. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. And the teams that he's had, there's no excuse for him not getting to the right. – to the at least getting to the conference championship, no excuse at all. I'm about to say, you know, yeah, been the there, Celtics, right? Um, with well, the Clippers never been there, I should say. Him, him, yeah, he won with the Celtics, but him, uh, with those seven years with the teams that he had, there's no excuse, especially with the team that he just had, Chris Paul, uh, oh, not Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, wow. and then like, there's no excuse. You, you were up 3 1, 3 1. And who did they, who did they lose to? Was it the yeah, Nuggets? This isn't his first time where he's blown the lead. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and this one, I think I, yeah, I have to Nuggets. agree too because of the simple fact that you, you know, and you were not only up three one, but you had double digit leads in all those games. And you know, people keep saying, "Well, he was with the Celtics." I'm like, "Come on, man! Yes. You had KG, <laughs> you had uh, uh, who else? Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. That team pretty and Rondo. That pretty much was just like Phil Jackson with the with the Bulls and Michael Jordan. So, you know, and make sure it don't run into the rocks. Yeah. So that yeah. Yeah. So we both say yay on that one. But now we just give a little bit of bonus this week. Who you got? The Lakers, or do you think the Heat have one more run in them? Yeah, I have to say that too. But I got the Lakers in six. But I, like I said, I told this guy at the gym, I, I said, don't sleep. I said, because the Heat are the worst, they're the most dangerous team out there because they ain't even supposed to be there. They ain't got nothing to lose. And <laughs> and they like to share the basketball. There's no one person that has this to have the true. ball in their hand. So they, I, I would not put a pass them if they won. And you know that coach for the Heat, he definitely wants to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the defense is, is the defense yeah. for the Lakers has to be big. Like they, it has to be big because oh my gosh, uh, Tyler Hero uh, yeah. can hit a three. He Tyler Hero is a bucket in general. Like this kid, uh, he yeah. man, like what he did in game was a game four, game five. Right. Against, Where did he go to school? Dropping thirty-seven points. I was like, oh my, this is a rookie doing this. Like, it was okay. Because I was people. like, I never heard. I, uh, well, I don't watch it like I, I used to, but I'm like, where did this cat come from? Yeah, yeah. yeah went to Kentucky. But oh my God, what he was doing was crazy. Yeah, uh, and he can hit a three. I think Miami, the whole team could hit threes. Um, I don't. The Lakers, I, I guess they can hit threes. I mean, I know uh, in the regular right. season they were averaging like double digit threes a game. Or yeah, something like but, that. So but like you said, there's a lot that, of guys on that heat team that can score. And even their yeah. center, that dude, when he has to, he can score. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, his story is crazy growing up. Speaking of not Damn having father, but sleeping, yeah. being homeless, you know, and living in a, in a trailer. And t- <laughs> he's talking about. <laughs> Oh, you know, his mom didn't even have a car, and 
she, the lady said, well, do you feel this was a challenge? And he looked at her like, please. <laughs> ain't no challenge. He was like, shoot. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, but I think we both feel that. The Lakers, but again, like I said, I will go on record saying I would not be surprised if the Heat somehow pulled it out because they aren't phased. I mean, the Celtics came back on them game six, and within a blink of an eye, they had lead back up to 10. And then they they ran them off the court after that, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah that, they, 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 I'm not sense. sure what they need and to get over the hump. They, because they, they had all the tools. They, they had the talent. I truly believe they had the more talented team, but they just, I don't know, something just, something missed. Yeah, they had the talent. Um, I, it's hard to pinpoint it. I'm, I'm, I've been an advocate yeah. of getting rid of. Gordon Hayward for like the past two years now. Um, I understand that he's, you know, he can get you clean when you need it. Um, down the stretch and in this last game, he didn't. Yeah. Um, I just really think his contract is eating way too much of the cash salary. I don't think that you need him. Yeah. Um, you can definitely get some get something yeah. from him. Um, yeah. I really don't think, I don't think he's been he's the same necessary. since that injury. Really, yeah. and then, but also, yeah. I think they can get afford to get rid of that kid, that guy smart too. Yeah, I yeah. think he hurts them more than he helps them too. You know, like I just okay. I mean, just saying, I'm not again a die. I don't think so. I'm gonna debate you on that one because you have that other guy, Walker is his name, or that boy's think- tough. He tough. I like Walker. him. Yeah. Yeah, Kimba. Kimba is good. They are they are complete opposites. Kimba and 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 Smart they're complete opposites. Kimba he's he can get you a bucket. Like he can he can drive it on you. He can shoot the ball. Um, He can do that. Marcus Smart he struggles shooting the ball. Um, This last series Mm -hmm. um, he did a great job shooting the ball actually, which was really surprising. But he is the heart and soul of that defense. He's a heart and soul of that team in general. Like he, he his defense mm-hmm. is is he's gonna make first team mm-hmm. sometime. Like I think he was a second team this year, but he's gonna make first team mm-hmm. defense. And I really think they are complete opposites. I don't think you get rid of him. I think you keep him because he's a great backup when it comes to mm-hmm. you know uh, putting that second unit in and keeping that defense up. Um, so okay. You well, all right, right then. Uh, well, we didn't, you know, we we versatile. We sometimes turn into a sports talk show, but yeah. <laughs> but on that note, so I believe yeah. what this week. Yeah, no, this is my turn this week to give us that closing word. Um, as always, we want to thank you for being part of BFA because without you, there is no us. But like I said, today we spoke on something that I believe is a real factor in today's society: is fatherhood. You know, fathers play in an incredible role, just as what do mothers as well. But we believe, I truly believe that we are seeing today the impact of fathers not being in the home or not taking their role of being fathers seriously. Um, The frustration, the outrage, and the anger that we see in some situations, I don't believe it's just a necessary result of the situations that we have as far as the political climate, etc. I believe it's something that runs deeper than that. And when we start looking at the root of that is, I do believe that you'll find that 
the numbers, not just the numbers, but even life experiences will show you that the absence of a father to be that one to not only steer their son or daughter in the right path, but to give them, show them love, to show them encouragement, to give them a sense of self-worth plays a big factor in that. So what I say is I dedicate myself to being a father until I am no longer here for my kids. And I challenge my brother, Manuel Noriega, to do the same. And all you men out there listening to this, we challenge you to do the same. If you're coming from a situation where you were raised by a mom and a father not in your life, I challenge you to break that cycle and start a new cycle of being a father, an example to your son or daughter of what a father should be. As always, we thank you. We love you. And we is done. Catch us in the we ain't going to let you know what it is just yet, but we'll let you know when you check us out in VP and 60 or Manny's Minute. One love, peace. We out.